these kids. You are listening to the SDSU Basketball Podcast, hosted by Austin Tark and co-hosted with Paul Garrison, brought to you by the East Village Times. Hello, Aztec Nation, and welcome to the San Diego State Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Tark, joined as always with Paul Garrison, and today we're joined by a new voice, a member of the Aztec coaching staff, J.D. Pollock. J.D., thank you for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to be with you guys. Thank you for having me on. Excited to have your opinions. Uh, So you are entering your sixth season with the Aztecs this year. You are the program director of player development. What aspects of the program fall under your care? Yeah, titles these days are just kind of ways that HR needs to file paperwork. So (laughs) director of player development, I, I didn't even know what it meant when I was getting hired. I just knew I wanted to work on this coaching staff. So um, my main responsibility is definitely scouting. I watch uh, far more opponents than I even do of ourselves. Uh, our assistants do both, but they concentrate way, way more on us uh, daily until it's time for a game-specific scout or anything like that, which I would have been well down the road on. I, I dive deep into the opponents, three games in advance usually during the season, minimum of five, six games for each team, cutting them all up all that stuff. So other than, uh, you know, helping Matt Soria with all things ops related, even though he's the legend and does not need any help whatsoever. Um, I'll take anything I can off his plate, but, but the meat of it all is definitely scouting. And I, I love it. I've really dove deep into it and enjoyed it. We've had the opportunity to speak to a lot of the scout team. So maybe you could, uh, give us a little bit of just clarity on, on what they do and how that process works. Um, from what we understand, you, you get that tape and then you will, um, you will kind of give assignments about which players kind of physically match up. Um, but why don't you take it from there, man? What, what is that process of getting the Aztecs ready for their next opponent? Oh man, it's, well, I mean, it is my entire job, so I, I love it. But with the, the scout team specifically, just to start with them, they're so they're invaluable to us. We've had such a good scout team over my six years here. And I mean, starting with even, you know, Tim Shelton, when he was still an assistant, he was still anchoring the defense. Um, all of our red shirt guys have been on it. So Malachi Flynn was on it. Jalen McDaniels was on it the year before I was here. Um, Adam Seiko was here his freshman year. And, and then the, the red shirt, or not just the red shirts, but then the walk-ons as well, which can really play. Many of them could play. Uh, either division one programs or or obviously lower than that for sure and 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 they give our guys all they got it's not a free pass for them they get coached just as hard as the starters and if they don't comprehend the scout if they uh, even if they make a play let's let's say they just break a guy down and and you know two dribble pull up or two dribble spin with a finger roll whatever it is if that's not what the guy he's emulating does then then they get you know coach for real on it be like hey he's left-handed or he doesn't shoot pull-ups you know he's shooting these catch and shoot threes in the corner like so you know try and be that guy and they know that they accept it and they love it too but uh they get coached for real and and that's that's bringing it to life if anything that's actually the very end of it um because like I was talking about I'm I'm well down the road with film 
I'll start watching. And the non-conference is the hardest time because you don't really know who you're playing. We're so familiar with the league. Um, there's been some coaching turnover. So even those feel a little bit new at times, um, you know, bringing in new guys in the Mountain West. But, I mean, it, it's just – it starts with just watching that first game. And I've got what I call – or the program is – uh, sports code and I got a code window open and I've got every player up there every uh, offensive set as I watch I build it out to where every single play they run and then I put it in consecutive order of, of most used down and it's kind of like a waterfall effect so wow. you know back when we're playing the Martin twins with Nevada or Sam Merrill or whatever each one of those guys has like 40 clips right and and maybe the role players only have you know five six and the coaches, we watch them all. We, we can comprehend it all. We don't get overwhelmed. It's what we get paid to do. If anything, the hardest part of our job is to limit it down to what do we really show the players? Hmm. Because they're also worried about just getting better. And they're also worried about our scheme. And, but we are very, I mean, our, our fans will know and the league knows we, we change our defense every game. You know, right. we have our base and we have our foundation, but, but that's, that's actually why I love my job so much here is, is other places I've coached. It doesn't matter if we're playing the Lakers, we're doing the exact same defense, which is not a bad philosophy. That's just like, we're going to impose our will. It doesn't matter where the screen is. We're hedging it. We're going to sprint back, pinch the blocks, and then we'll get back out to shooters. And that was every game, no matter what. And here, I mean, we've, we've got terminology for everything. We've got, you know, we can switch it. We can flat hedge it. We can get through we can black it, which is ice it on the wings. We can left it in the middle. And I don't, I don't think we're quite to the NBA level because every single guy in the NBA basically has his own scout. You know, like if you played the Clippers, Reggie Jackson is not guarded the same way as Paul George. And, and neither do we, but we still have a base. Like we're, we're in through or we're in black and, and all these terms. And, uh, you know, it just – the guys, the, that's, that's the key to our thing is, is the guys really comprehend it. They really accept it. They don't want to say like, oh, well, this is too much or, oh, that's not what we did last game. My bad. Like they, they know that's what makes it elite and makes it special. And, and so as we build it out, whether it's the sets or the, the players, um, you know, you just, you slowly comprehend it. And so the guys, we haven't done paper scouts even here, you know, other places there's, there's this 10, 12, 15 page booklet for a paper scout and you still watch film, but the guys are supposed to read it. And that's where a lot of the information comes from because the assistants spend hours typing it up, whether it's statistics or habits or just keys to winning or offensive keys, whatever it is, real things. And here, I don't care if you call Jeremy Hemsley up right now, Trey Kell right now and ask them, how do we guard Utah state? They'll tell you. Huh. And, it's by, and it's by nothing but film is we just watch a ton of film Every day before practice, we just get some clips. We might even run back in there right after practice for 10 more minutes. Just show tendencies, ball screen sets. It doesn't matter. And by the time we play, like, they know the scout, and they didn't need to read a thing on it. They just watched that film. So that, I think it works. I think they comprehend it, and that's our main goal is it doesn't matter what we know. They need to be confident and comfortable out there and, and playing instinctively, and, and that's when they're special. I, uh, we, we've learned – that, first of all, that was fascinating. Thank you. Um, yeah. But we've learned a lot just about the scout team, the non-scholarship players. Um, and we know that how hard they're going in practice and the fact yeah. that these guys can ball, you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, but we do need your help to answer an argument that's had a, a little bit on the podcast. Oh, let's uh, do it. Tyler came on 
Tyler Broden, and he said scout the non the scout team wins forty percent of the time uh, when they're going in practice. Forty percent they're winning. We <laughs> talked to Adam. Adam said that number is a lot closer to twenty. Uh, what is your answer as the coach who's witnessing all of it? Um, forty seems high. <laughs> they they definitely bring it. Um, live drills when we go truly live. I'd say probably about 20. I'd say, you know, 25, maybe like one out of four, one out of five. Yeah. Um, most of the times it's, I wouldn't even say it like, I mean, we'll go live at the end for sure. When it's, when it's before the game and it's scout and all that, but just the buildup and all that, we're not even, it's not, everything's competitive, but it's just to win the drill. It's not a, a basketball score, so to speak. Gotcha. It's, it's reps. It's, you know, it's rebounding and stuff like that. It's not just play basketball and keep score. But I, I'd say closer to 25. I, 40 is like, that's almost a coin flip. <laughs> he, did, he did say that he was exaggerating, but you, um, you'd you appreciate this. Last summer, I was talking with Mike Schmitz, ESPN, who's yeah. also um, Adam Seiko's assistant coach at Team Uganda. And he was so amazed that they, he said, we run it like a pro team because their head coach is the head coach of a G League team. And he said, we run it like the NBA. And Adam knew every defensive thing that there was that we would yeah. teach him better yeah. than anyone else. So just to your point about how far along and close to the NBA, the Aztecs are. Um, so that's during the season, right? But what about the off season? What, what keeps you busy um, during the off season? The off season, it's, it's a lot of regrouping after the season because it really is, it's just become a sprint, especially through the conference tournament and the, and the NCAA tournament first and things like that. And we need to go, go deeper in that tournament. But by the time it's done, you, you really do need a quick exhale because, you know, your, your emails are piling up. Recruiting is, is getting heated up with the, where the assistants are slowly figuring out where they're going to go. I mean, now the portal starts early, you know, kids are, you get calls, Hey, this kid's going to go into portal. And then, Oh, you know, kid you used to recruit is unhappy at a different school. And like all these rumors start filing while, you know, you're trying to win championships. And so, um, you're still gearing up for it. And so official visits, I feel like this year started earlier than ever. Um, I mean, it was, I can't even remember, but it, it was, if what felt like weeks after, I mean, it felt like three, four weeks after, and we had kids on visits and, and so that was a quick transition. Um, I, I love how we do official visits. It's, it's not just whichever assistant is recruiting the kid, or if it's Dutch's favorite kid, then he's just going to smother him and love on him when he's on campus. It's, it's all six or seven of us the entire time with the kid. And so whether he's on his own as a transfer or if it's a high school kid and he's bringing his mom and his dad and his brother and, and everybody, it's, it's all hands on deck. It's not, Hey, go get your guy, man. We're behind you. Let us know how it goes. It's, it's all of us. We walk like a mob around campus. We, we all hop in the golf cart and hang with them and laugh and take them out to eat. And you know, it's, it's really, really cool how we do it. I think that's the, the easiest way for people to see that we're genuine in that, you know, we, we genuinely love working here. We don't work here on accident. I mean, it took me 10 years to get hired here. I joke with the guys all the time that, you know, when I was a GA at TCU, it was Kawhi's two years here. And so I coached against Kawhi and, and DJ and Billy and Malcolm. And, and I've become close with, with all those guys with the exception of Kawhi, but <laughs> um <laughs> I always <laughs> joked. I was like, man, I'm sitting on the wrong bench. I need to get down there because this team, they look at them. They're rolling down there. And so 
I stayed in touch with the staff for about a decade and, and finally got hired down the stretch and I couldn't believe it. But that's what it feels like to work here. I mean, there's, there's nobody here like with their toe dipped out or wishing they were coaching somewhere else. And so we just want people to feel that on the visits and the parents feel it. It's the main feedback we get is like, man, we've been to two other schools. It didn't feel like this. And it doesn't even mean you get them all. It just means they're comfortable here. They know that you're real. They know, you know, Dutch's big selling point is at this level, the level we've, we've come to and the level we recruit against, everybody's got a version of the Jam Center. Now, we, we think it's better because, you know, the NBA teams love it and we're in San Diego and there's, it's an amazing facility. But all these high majors have a version of the Jam Center. They all have beautiful arenas. But it's Dutch's line is it's the people, you know. That's, that's who you're really committing to. You're, you're good enough to where no matter where you go, you, you have a good choice. You have a good option. But you're really committing to that staff. That's who your parents are trusting you with. That's who you're trusting your basketball future with. And that's what we're selling. We're not selling Viejas or the jam or, or anything like that. You know, we're, we're selling our credit score and our, you know, our credibility through the years. And it's, it's real. So sometimes you get them and sometimes you don't, but, but at least they, they leave knowing what it was and, and that it'd be a good option for them. And that's why so many tremendous transfers have joined this school. Um, so tell us, you mentioned before, well, first offseason starts early. You're busy all offseason. You mentioned in June you're dealing with camps. Tell us, how is the SDSU summer basketball camp going? Uh, yeah. what, what players are helping out? Yeah, camp, camp was a lot of fun because we didn't get to do it the last two years. And so uh, I was looking back at the early camp photos. I think it was a little bit larger. We were up closer to maybe 100 kids. Um, and then and team camp used to be up in the, the 80s and the 90s with, with the high school teams coming in. But we had the arc still as well. And with them redoing that, we lost all four courts. So we went from eight courts to four. It basically cut camp in half, even though it went really well. We had 35 teams, uh, some local, some from Arizona, um, some from up in L.A., and it, and it was awesome. So we, with that, we also give uh, some skill instruction, some video stuff. Coach Acker jumped on the floor with some guys. Uh, one of the mornings, some of the high school varsity kids. Coach Lester showed some tape on us, uh, teaching them either terminology or some of our tendencies that we emphasize. So we give a little bit of instruction with it along with their games that, you know, if they're not playing right then, they can come by and, and get coached by us too, which is kind of fun. But the team camps went great. We've already had two. Um, that's it for the summer on those. Um, a lot of return coaches. It was cool to see some of their freshmen as juniors and seniors because there's just been this gap. Um, that we've seen years ago. Uh, the coaches were excited to get the kids back out. They hadn't been able to get on campuses the last couple summers. And then this past week, we had our first kids individual camp. Uh, and it was like 70 kids. We, we didn't keep our high school version, uh, the 9th, 10th, 11th, a couple of 12th graders trickle in, but they've been busy with their high schools. So um, we got rid of the high school division and it was awesome. So the 7th and 8th graders were the largest group um, we've got one more camp, uh, August 1st through the 4th, that we'll run back. Um, it'll be the exact same camp, you know, relatively speaking. We, we like the way we do. We teach true fundamentals. It's not, just, it's not just games to occupy time. You know, like we're really in there coaching. We're losing our voices and not because they're out of line, because we're really coaching them. And uh, the players we had help this time was Keisha Johnson and Lamont Butler. We're there all day, every day, which was really cool because the longer you're there, the, the more consistent the kids get with you as opposed to like, when's Lamont coming back? And, you know, just all day long wondering if they're going to get to 
to get coached by him in the afternoon. Um, Adam Seiko helped a little bit. Uh, our GA, Ali Tavakal, helped the whole time. Um, and then we ended up having some women's players come over. We had Megan, Asia, uh, Kim, and, and they were a ton of help. And, and that was kind of a cool element because they, they usually have their own camps going. But since the women's staff didn't throw camps this summer, um, they were able to come over and help us out. And then we'll have them back in August, too. So um, had the usual championships, had knockout, dribble tag, hot shot, those type fun things, and then a five-on-five -five thing at the end. But, but it really is about the skill work and just falling in love with the game. That's all we're preaching to them is just hopefully you're not here because your parents made you. Hopefully you like basketball. and I mean, there's a little bit of both. It's camp, you know? <laughs> yep. I did it when I was 12 and yeah. I loved it more than anything. I still have, I think Jamal Franklin and Tim Shelton signed my shoes. I still got those shoes. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's a special a time. Experience. No, it yep. really is. I have that same soft spot. I, it doesn't fade, you know, every year it comes back. Like, of course, my first thought is like, Oh Lord camp, you know, like it's a lot, but I have those same memories. I went to Georgia tech camp growing up because I'm from Atlanta I did the overnight camp there. I hung with Bobby Crimmins every summer. I, you know, Drew Barry was there and like all, and Matt Harpering was there, like all the guys from my childhood. And I'm, you, you don't forget those memories because those memories stay at that age. And so I know what these, what these players mean to these campers and our, and our players do an incredible job. I mean, they were, they were getting lifted up by Keyshawn. They're laughing. They feel like he's their best friend now and they're going to come to the games and like, see him see showtime in the sky and they're gonna be like that's Keyshawn like that's my guy as All opposed right. to just being a fan it's a real connection so yep. camp is a special time if you let it be so I mean tell us a little bit more about your youth man um you played collegiately at Barry College um in Rome Georgia where you were third nationally in steals for the whole entire NAIA played two yep. seasons at Kennesaw State um how did that shape you um those playing times, those playing days, how did that shape you as a coach? Those are, those are everything. I mean, it's, I guess you could even still say like same type thoughts as camp. Like that was the dream. You know, the dream was playing division one basketball. I wasn't ready out of high school. I was six two, like one fifty. I mean, and, and I thought I could play and I, I kind of could play, but I, I was like a little boy, you know? And so it's the same type thing as we see high school kids come out now there's good players at our team camp. They're just not physically, they're not going to guard Lamont Butler and Matt Bradley. It doesn't mean they're not good. Right. And that was me. You know, I knew skill wise, I could play, I could shoot. I had a good IQ. I could not guard those guys. And so really I used NAIA without knowing it as a junior college. I didn't plan on it there. I thought I was going to go there and graduate from there, but I grew two more inches in college. I got up to like 185, and now all of a sudden I'm like six, four and a half, 185 and still a point guard. And now all of a sudden nobody's calling me little anymore. I have great size as a PG. And it's like, right. dang, like he's got length. He can guard the ball. Cause like you mentioned on the steals, that was just, that was a lot of instincts. And just, I mean, I played since I was in preschool, I had an older brother and I lived on the floor. And, you know, I think the guys that pick the game up later as athletic or talented as they are, they, they lack those instincts. And so if you just live on the floor from when you're four years old all the way through college, I mean, I, I knew the pass was going before they threw it. And they, my teammates used to joke with me, like when I got a steal, I'd smile in the middle of the game. And they'd be like, this freaking guy, man, he's dribbling down the court smiling because I like, got one. And that was my thing. Like if I could score 40, I'm sure I wouldn't have cared, but that was my thing, you know? So um, 
But yeah, even being third, I got a grudge. The guys, I think if I remember right, they got first and second, played like 13 games or something, and they had like a high average. And I'm like, man, I played 35 games, kept my <laughs> average over three. And of course, because I'm not division one at the time, I'm comparing it to D1 and it was Rondo's year. And so I technically averaged the same as him. We each had like 90 or 95 steals in the year. So I was, I mean, Rondo's a Hall of Famer and all this stuff. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like, man, I was getting as many steals as Rondo. So um, I enjoyed that assignment, though, as a defensive guy. I took it every night. And that didn't change when I got to Kennesaw. I wanted to guard the other team's best player. And um, offensively, I just, I could catch and shoot. I could get in the paint and distribute. But I wasn't a pure scorer by any means. I, I, you know, I just facilitated. And, and I guess I was an extension of the coach. And, and I liked that. So uh, I didn't know I was going to coach my whole life. Uh, when I redshirted from transferring, I, I went to go get suits with my dad. And as we got, as we pulled up and he's like, you know, you're going to be like a coach this year. Like you're going to be in a suit on a, as a red shirt transfer sitting out this year. He's like, you should maybe coach. And that, that was the first, and he coached me my whole life, like childhood and, and all that stuff. But at that level, one, I'm excited to be at division one. And then all of a sudden he says like, you know, you should think about coaching and it just never left which he probably regrets now because I've not been back to Atlanta since I left for grad <laughs> school. And I don't think that was his original plan, but I've had an unbelievable, I think I'm going into year 14. And that was the day. I still remember the moment when, when coaching planted in my head and I was like, I think that's what I'm going to try and do. And that was long before my injury. I got hurt my senior year. Um, just like you hear about in, in stories and everything, you don't know your last game and um knee just blew out and it wasn't season ending. It was career ending. It was, I have no cartilage in one of my knees and it just can't handle the daily wear and tear and the daily competing with pounding. And so I can run and I can clown around and play and I don't have any pain, but if I were to really get it every day, which can't anymore at 36, but years ago, right. it, it would have just, it just wouldn't have been able to hold up. So it was one of those freak things that it didn't just end my senior year. The doctor said like, like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but, but like, you're done. And I don't mean at Kennesaw. And I said, Oh, I'm, you know, I mean, I, I was a mess after that. So I've always felt like I had a little bit of unfinished business with the game after that. Um, things are changing with the family now. Um, that's unbelievable. I got an almost two-year-old girl Paisley and a five-month-old boy Peyton. I can't believe it. It's, it's the coolest thing ever. It happened fast. I mean, COVID made everything fast, but they're both technically COVID babies. And yeah, I mean, life comes at you fast and I'm in heaven, but priorities do change. So I love my job. And that's, that's kind of how I got to hear from, from playing anyway, the coaching stops along the way. We're all incredible too, but yep. That's that's why we're we're definitely gonna ask you about your kids because we know okay. how much of a father you are and how much you yeah, love man. being a dad. But uh, so fourteen years, you uh, you said you've taken up coaching GA TCU and yeah. then coaching experience at Central Arizona College and Cal State Bakersfield. What did those experience all those come together? What did that give you uh, that you took to SDSU? Yeah, that that's really where I start with like our managers and our GAs because they're 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 not playing but they're wanting the same thing. How do I get started? And that's every young coach's thing. Like, how do you get in the door? And, and you really do need a favor at some point in time. You, you need to impress somebody as just a young man or young woman and, and, and have them put their name on you. And so mine, uh, after TCU, 
my college assistant coach, uh, Shay Roth, who's over at uh, Cannon in North Carolina, a prep school over there, killing it. His cousin got a job and it was Central Arizona and I had never heard of it. Junior college wasn't big for me growing up. And he said, if you don't have anything lined up, he's a great dude. I think you can get it. I think you're ready for it because you've been at, you know, at TCU, you learned enough as a GA to at least get started. And, and I was hungry. So it's really just how bad do you want to do it? Do you want to move in the middle of nowhere and make close to no money and start your coaching career? Or do you want to stay at home with your buddies and hope something pops up? And I was all in. My dad's like, you're crazy. You're going to move out to Casa Grande, Arizona for $18,000. And you're telling me you're going to live on it. And I was like, hell yeah. Like, <laughs> that's exactly what the plan is. And so, but it's Juco, you know, like the head coach is like, you can move in with me. It'll be 500 a month for rent, flat rate. And, you know, like you're not going to pay anything else. And, and you just make it work because you, you don't have a family or a wife or anything at the time. And so I wasn't quite engaged yet. Um, Irene had just flown the same day I moved to Arizona. I dropped her off at the airport to fly to Switzerland and play overseas professionally. So she went to Switzerland. I went to it's Casa Grande and we were apart for nine months and we'd only been dating for seven months. But like, you know, I, I knew I was good to go. So I was just hoping she was good to go because I I wasn't <laughs> I was not on the market. And uh, that was the beginning is he, he would give me some good assignments. He really helped me a lot early on as he's like, I need five names by the end of the day as potential point guards. And it didn't matter if we could get them or not. He wanted me to start digging. He wanted me to work the phones. And I think those really help because I'm coming up with all types of names that aren't going to come. But, you know, I just began my learning and we ended up killing it. Uh, he had a good recruiting class in right before I got there with a bunch of dudes from Seattle. Um, Devon Pickett, Dejuan Newton, Glenn Brooks, dudes, all Division One players out of Seattle. And, and that was the core of our group. Um, we won big had a couple guys become an All-American and other Division One players. So they moved on. And then the head coach got Midland, and that's when I got bumped up. So I'd only been there for two years. And the ADs, as cool as they come, Chuck Schnorr, I think he just retired out there. And he was the head coach before Jordan and myself. And he was like, I mean, I'm not even calling anybody. You just get it. And I was like, all right, this is a great meeting. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. So I was 27 years old, and I'm a head coach. And, wow. and I felt like I knew basketball, but I definitely didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, I was comfortable, most comfortable on the hardwood. And – and like we all joke about in the office, you know, you you're comfortable because you don't know any different. But like I know way more now than then, even though then I'm walking around like, all right, let's go handle business, you know. But I know way more now just across the entire board, which I mean, I would hope so. If not, I don't know what I've been doing. But <laughs> so um, uh, you mentioned he mentioned you mentioned, you know, you've, you've found good ways to like interweave your family into all of these uh, responses, man. Um Correct me it's if I'm been wrong, the base but... of every single decision. Every no, no, it's decision. great. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it, on the road last year, um, Utah State. If I think it was the first game that you had ever missed. Yeah, man, that um, was crazy. So tell me, just describe that tension between birth of your son and missing a game, and you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It was wild because Coach Dutch is unbelievable in that he he's not talk he's family first through and through it's not just like a line like oh no I'll do what you need to do like he means it. he'd be mad at me if I was like one of those coaches that debated things which I mean I'm glad I'm not but like if I was like no nah, coach I, 
I don't care. I'll make it back in time or whatever. He'd be like, you're not coming, you know? And so, but it was so wild sitting there in the hospital and watching my team play. And I, I really didn't know what to think. I mean, I think Peyton was born like, I don't know, an hour or two before. So uh, like at least that had kind of settled, even though I, I'm looking over at Irene holding him and I'm on cloud nine, but then I'm like, okay, they're both good. They're healthy. I've got dinner on the way because I'm still not technically supposed to leave the room like all that many times because of COVID. And like, let's turn the game on. And luckily the hospital had the game. And I was like, I have a new son and the Aztecs are playing and somehow I'm not there. So I'm looking at the bench and I'm like, this is so strange. But it, it was it was a cool moment. I mean, I, I wish we'd have won. I know we didn't play good that <laughs> night. That's for sure. Tell us more about Dutcher and the freedom he gives you as a coach. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, some of the assistants, Soria, Dave Velasquez, they've been there for 20 plus years. Yeah. Um, how does that show up practically for you? You know, it, it started with, with really my interview when I, I got to know him and, and I joked with him, like I said, I was trying to get hired here forever, but nobody left when, when Hutt and, you know, Fish and all them were still here. And I knew everybody on staff except for Coach Dutch. So I, I know the staff was kind of working for me behind the scenes to be like, at least talk to them, at least give them a chance because it's hard. It's the Aztec family. And there were guys that had Aztec blood trying to get in and Jay Morris had just taken it, but gotten a good opportunity up at uh, San Jose state that, you know, you have to take. And I sat down with coach Dutch and I said, okay, well, I think I'm going about this backwards because I know everybody on staff except for you and you're making the decision. So nice to meet you finally. And like, here we go type thing. And so he said it from then, he's like, I don't hire people to, to fully groom them and like make them be like us. Like I'm hiring you because you've done some stuff, you know, I'm hiring you because my staff loves you or not. He wasn't saying hiring. Like I would hire you because of these things. And he's like, I don't need you to come in and be a yes, man. I don't need you to come in and, and say what you think I want you to hear or what I want to hear. Like he, he means that he wants an opinion in the meetings from every single person. And sometimes that even goes down to our GA and he'll go around the room and he'll ask like, what do you think? You're not just here to, to look at me or to look at Dave and Ack and, and now Luster. And, you know, we've had great coaches from, from Rod and JMO and Hutt and Tim. And like, it's, these are real basketball dudes. So it's not just come in here and like fold your hands and be like, man, I like his opinion. Oh, I like his, like, you're going to get called on too. So like, like the credibility is instant, you know, like you're not here as a favor. And so he made that loud and clear. He said, everybody's got an opinion and I want to hear it. And so, and at the end of the day, he makes his decision. Like he, he knows he's going to make the call, but um, that's, that's coaching philosophy. That's, that's his personality more so than anything is it's a respectful, open environment. And, and then as a man, he's his, it's his family, you know, like he, he always talks about, he's lived in the same home since Fisher hired him in Rancho Bernardo and he's raised his girls there and Jan's incredible. You know, I mean, Dutch is, I, I mess with, with him a little bit. Like he's the most normal guy that's a head coach that I think you'll ever meet. Cause I think head coaches slowly lose their mind and like they've been assistants for like 10, 15, 20 years. And all of a sudden, they walk into a gym as a head coach and they're like, oh, where's court one? You know, it's like they can't think anymore out of nowhere. And Dutch is like the most regular guy of all time. Like he's just a regular family man that knows more basketball than than anybody I've ever met. And he'll forget more than I'll ever learn because of the things he's gone through and 
the, the ball he's been around with his national championships. And I mean, he, he's, his basketball mind is like a museum. Like he talks about Glenn Rice, like it's yesterday. And he's like, that's the baddest man he's ever seen. Like Glenn Rice walks on water to coach Dutch. So it's, it's really cool. Just it's, I'm super fortunate being from Atlanta, somehow getting into this Aztec family and, you know, you, you hope you know what it is beforehand, but like when you go into jobs, nobody knows what that job is until you get there. And so I had talked to Tim and Dave and Hutt and they're like, man, like, this is it. This is it. So I remember I showed up like the first day of work at like 6.30 or 7. And I don't have a key or anything. And I'm just sitting in the lobby like, I mean, the door is locked. So I call, I call the guys and they're like, I mean, we'll be in there at 8.30 or 9, but you're on your own for about an hour or so. <laughs> and I mean, of course, it's like the middle of July. There's nothing right, going right, on. Right, 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 right. It's not like it's before a game. And they're like, "Yeah, we'll see you in a little while because we ain't coming in at 6:30 on in July." So <laughs> it's you know the 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 credit scores there to where we know what we're good at, and and we just try and grow on that. Now, it this past August, man, something really unique from you um, when JD Luster was hired. Um, yeah. You, you went public with the fact that, that you wanted the job, but you didn't, you know, quote, get the promotion at work. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people really appreciated getting to hear directly from you um, because honestly, that kind of honesty in this business, it, it's, it's rare. And so it becomes really refreshing, but could you just tell us like, why was it important for you to, you know, write that letter and then for you to be able to post that to social media? Yeah, it was, you know, I heard both ends of it. I had mentors tell me they thought it was an awful idea. And and I had guys tell me exactly what you just said. Like, dude, that's incredible. Like, you, you, you're you going to help a lot of people with that. And and I, I think I was okay with it. You know, it wasn't like the easiest thing to write or anything like that. But, you know, I, I, I am a coach, like, through and through. So I felt like I was coaching while writing that, coaching people I don't know, coaching people. I had NAI coaches – in, in random states DMing me saying like, man, like I'm going to work because of that. Like, I appreciate that. And so obviously on my end, like there was no ill will towards anybody, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to be here with from coach Dutch hire me from the jump. And, and like I said, I was passed over at jobs at Cal state Bakersfield when I was the ops guy and wanted to move up there. So like that, I get that part of this job, you know, and I'm, I'm at a level where I expected to be competitive, not a, a handout. And so it was, it was from the heart and it was, it was when you don't get things you want, you have to grind and keep going. And it doesn't, this is not a basketball thing. Like this was, yeah, I, I was passed up. That's okay. The coaches we've hired are freaking incredible. It's not like we're hiring buddies or favors or anything like that. I mean, we're hiring the next best assistants on the entire West coast, you know? So I mean, we, we lost Rod Palmer to UCLA. We lose Jay Morris to USC and Justin Hudson's a head coach. I mean, give me a break. So JD Lester's unbelievable. Chris Acker's unbelievable. And, and I'm okay with that. Like I don't lose sleep over that. Like I'm, I'm going head to head and doing my best with what's the best coaches in the West coast and in the nation really for that matter. And so it was, it was one of those moments where like, yeah, I was disappointed. That's okay. But like get back after it, you know, that you give yourself 24 hours, give yourself 48 hours, whatever it was, you know, it was a big opportunity that didn't end up coming to light. Like, look at what you have. I'm, I, I say it jokingly all the time. I think I'm the luckiest man in the world with 
somehow coaching at San Diego State from Atlanta, Georgia, when I started at NAIA and walked on to Kennesaw State and somehow earned a scholarship and I'm coaching at San Diego State, like that doesn't link in my head. And, and yet it's happened. And so, yeah, like literally just get over it. You know, you didn't get something you wanted very badly, something you worked hard for. That's okay. And let it be known a bit and let it be known that you're not done. Let it be known you're going to keep coming, that I want another championship right now. It has nothing to do with anything other than like, hey, this happened. Let's motivate and move on. So I think it, it was to motivate myself again a bit. And I think it was to coach. I, I felt like a coach in that moment of like, if, if Peyton one day doesn't get something huge, this is what I'd want him to hear. Like, man, I'm with you. That, that sucks. It hurts. You have worked for it. Look at what you have, pick up and go again. And, and so it was, it was kind of an odd thing. Like I, I really did. I got all into the spectrum to where it was, it was not uh, well-received everywhere. And then other places it was, you know, like you're talking about, it was, it was refreshing and people thought it was, you know, really, really good to hear. So respect I, that. I, yeah. I personally found it motivating. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so changing gears um, so far on, on our podcast, we like to, you know, hit the basketball fundamentals, but then we also were checking out Instagram pages and uh, we're trying to get a little more fun, fun sides of who we're interviewing. Yeah. And certainly I sat courtside for the games last year and I immediately saw it on you. It's easy because of, uh, Jordan sponsoring the team, but is it fair to call you a sneakerhead? Uh, can you just describe <laughs> your love for sneakers a little bit, how you display them? Oh, and, man. And, and why is SDSU the perfect place to have that passion? Perfect place doesn't even say it right. I can't believe what is happening here. The fact that I always knew like the guys wore J's, you know, like I said, when I was going against them or even when I was coaching Juco and I'm like, man, look at what X has got on tonight. Like X has got the old eights on and like, so it was always the look, but it's definitely fair to say I'm a sneakerhead. I, I think I'm a sneakerhead on a budget, but I, I definitely am. So I have a rule now where in order to get a pair, I have to sell a pair. And so especially on my wall, which my wife had an incredible idea on. She got some Ikea bookshelves, turned them vertical. looks like a cool wall in a shoe store. Nice. But in order to put a pair up, I've got to sell a pair. I can't just accumulate anymore. And so... We were both sick of the shoe boxes and she had a great idea. It looked really cool, but it's, for me, it's, it's probably similar to like the old camp vibes, you know, like I, I'm more, I don't even care about any shoe that's coming out right now. I really don't. And, and I've been like that before this retro wave, when I was engaged to Irene, I said, I don't really care what the wedding looks like or anything like that. Can I wear my Concord 11s in it? <laughs> and so I got married in my Concords, and that was the first question I asked when it came to the wedding, not to us, but to the wedding itself. And, and that was before, you know, you go get ice cream and people are wearing Concords. Like, that, everybody's got them on now. But right. that I had a, a silver tux with the satin down the side, and I had my Concord 11s on, and I felt like you could not touch me that night. But um, I, right now I'm chasing 90s, like Air Max, uh, old pennies, old Garnets, old Pippins, Gary Payton's. I just got a pair of GPs with the buckle on the side. There you go. Um, and so, I mean, Jordans is always its own category. Like, there's no bad pair of Jordans that are, you know, the throwback 90s. But um, I sold a couple pair of high top ones that were 
worth more than what they are to me. So I got the, the money from those. And that's how I got a new pair. I got new 96 Air Max and a new pair of Gary Payton's. So just stuff like when I was little that I wore that I remember vividly opening for my 10th birthday. You know, I remember opening pennies at Christmas. And then that was my brother and I's thing was every Christmas we'd get one pair of basketball shoes. And so we'd go run downstairs and try and pick out which box it was and be like, that's the shoes. That's got to be the shoes. And so our parents would mess with us and like put them in boxes way too big and all this stuff. But like we were just hoping every Christmas we got a pair of basketball shoes. And so that's that's where it starts from. My brother's still my brother's like a secret sneakerhead because he'll get like new balances and like some uh, like even some hiking Adidas and stuff with like that that King Griffey Mariners turquoise in there and yeah. like you know all that so he gets like kind of a little bit more unique and mine's obviously more hoops or running related but we both just had fun with it as kids and we're fortunate enough to get like a pair at each Christmas and I mean I, I, I do really remember opening them and being like holy cow and so those are the ones I'm chasing right now okay now for everyone who's listening he yeah. um, described how he looked at his wedding, but you don't have to go too far on his Twitter account to find it. Cause this is anniversary month, if I'm not mistaken. So, right. Uh, yeah. June 14th. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, June 7th of 2014. Um, yep. We just hit year eight and, and I've, I don't think I've ever changed that photo. I think it's been at the top the entire time. So yeah, no, it, it, it's a great shot, but I mean, the, the question still is to be answered. So does that make that your favorite shoe? Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. I, the only thing I don't like about it is, like I said, is like guys that do not even care about basketball have right now. And they were so mass produced with all of these other late releases that, you know, it's, that's okay. I mean, I'm I'm okay with other people enjoying them, but it, it, it was definitely special when they were hard to find. And, and when you put them on, it was a little bit more of a statement. Like, this is important to me. This is something I have fun with, as opposed to like, I mean, dudes that like SeaWorld are walking around in them and, you know, it just, to me, it lowers it a little bit, but that's okay. They're having fun in them too. And then a follow-up question that we'll finish our fashion talk. This is another question we've hit on every every podcast so far, and we've heard a lot of different answers from everyone so far. Um, but I'd love to hear you. You're not a you're not a playing, so uh, no. you might you might have a better. Thank uh, goodness. <laughs> so tell us this: Who has the best fashion on the team that's currently playing right now? Oh, I love it. Oh man. Uh, so we've heard a lot uh, answers are starting to multiply together uh we're hearing a lot of ag hearing a lot of jared barnett because he has a smaller foot size so he has better shoe game um so i don't know if maybe you appreciate him a little bit more yep i need to think it's current like last year's team or since i've been here we'll give you both there you go yeah why choose (laughs) yeah that's true um (laughs) Unless they're the same person. It might be. I just want to open, make sure I'm thinking it thoroughly enough. <laughs> if I'm going to get asked it, I might as well answer it for real. Um, I mean, you, you said it, I'll probably go AG. Like when he, when he's ready to go, he does not mess around. And so I'll, I'll go ahead and give him the nod and I'll, I'll let him know I did too, but I will Good. vote a book of rope. <laughs> Oh, Jared Barnett, uh, you might, he's been, he was thrown around um, because 
he has smaller feet. And so his shoe game is, is much more on point than everybody else. We were there. They are easier to find. That's for yeah, sure. That's, that's but, what we said. <laughs> but, it, but he might've had his scout team buddies rally behind him there and, and get some votes. locked See, there's in. that. There's that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so could you just, I mean, you, uh, another congratulations. Uh, we, we talked about Peyton already, but um, that was January and mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to, to have um, a second kid, uh, what, what, what is it like, or what are some differences have you noticed for you, um, Irene, that having two as opposed to one? One was still definitely the biggest transition. Mm-hmm. I think because we were, I, neither one of us had normal jobs. So like, I mean, she was a professional athlete. I'm coaching. I feel like I travel a lot yet. She went to six continents in like 12 months, you know? So like she really traveled to where I, I'm going to like Chicago and right. whatever, like whatever she's going to South Africa and China and Cuba and like, who knows where, you know, that's real traveling. And so for us, it was a major, major change just to have one because we, we, we decided together, like, Hey, it's time. We, we always knew we wanted to, but that was a big transition for us to really put ourselves second, our careers. We, we'd say to each other still now, like we went, like we sprinted. And we did everything, but we didn't live together our first three years of marriage. Wow. And so, you know, we, we went for it. We have no regrets in, in that, like, oh, we, we gave up too soon or, or we had, you know, whatever. You know, we had our time. We went for it. And so one, Paisley was the biggest transition. Uh, Peyton with two, I would say, is, I, I mean, like I'm saying, not as big of a change, but it's, it's just more in that, I mean, Thankfully, I don't think I'm too overwhelmed because he's a good sleeper. There you go. And uh, I was telling Irene the other day that I think he stayed on his like newborn sleep schedule for like two months to where he's up every three to four hours. And so you just try and time it right. Like if you can do it at midnight and then he's only up at three and then you start at six, like that's only technically one if you can stay up till midnight. And it's like, all right, we can wake up at three, feed him and knock back out. Mm-hmm. But then out of nowhere, this miracle dude, he hit three months and he is at like 11 or 12 hours the last two months. And he is unbelievable for that very reason. So he sleeps, but it, I mean, it's still a madhouse. You're changing a diaper over here and it's like, she's changing a diaper over there. We both kind of meet back up in the living room and try and load the car up. Cause we don't, we, we like getting out and keeping them active. And uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's hilarious, but it's fun. So hundred percent. I, uh, I have four. Oh my goodness. So you're listening to me, like, give me a break. What are you talking about? Well, it's a big thing, man. When you, when you go from playing man to man to being forced to playing zone, it's, it's a different, it's a different thing, man. Yeah. I don't need that right now. I don't need that in my life right now. Neither one of them's even two. So they're, they're Paisley's just starting to talk, even though she doesn't know what she's hardly talking about. So there's not a whole lot of, of reasoning or negotiating going on right now. So we don't need three and four right now. Well, JD, we're entering our final question for you. Uh, thank you so much for your answers so far. You are giving us incredible information. I think fans oh, I are going to love it. this. Um, so this is another tough one. Uh, if you need a second, take your time. Um, you're entering your sixth season. Is yeah. there a favorite Aztec memory or moment that sticks out in these last six years? My two come to mind. I don't know if one wins or beats the other out. I mean, one is honestly the entire 1920 season. 
because while we were in it, every single day we showed up, we're, we're not in awe, but we're trying to squeeze every second out of it. We're talking to each other about it. Like, this is not normal. And next year we won both titles. We won regular season and conference tournament, but we're, we're 16 and 0, 17 and 0, 21 and 0, 25 and 0. And it's like, what's happening? You know, like, please just pause. I don't care how long we coach. It's not going to feel like this again. And that's, that's all credit to those guys. They were so, so committed and not about any funny business. And I'll give you one cool story that I, I even tell recruits on official visits that like we came back from New Mexico and that's one of the, the trips that we charter to just get right back home. For, and I think it was during the week. It's like a Wednesday. So we, we're trying to get the guys in class Thursday. We land late at like 1 a.m. and we get back to campus at 1.30 and we, we smashed them that game. And Jordan and Mal were like a little bit frustrated. I don't remember their box score specifically, but they were like, man, I didn't, it didn't feel right tonight. Like, like you want to shoot for half an hour and then we'll crash and then we'll wake up at 8 a.m. and do our normal routine because those dudes were in there every single day at 8 a.m. And so we get off the plane and they, I'm like, I mean, we're all groggy. It's 1, 1 1.30 and I'm like, get me home i'm tired they, like we're rolling our bags off the bus and i see these two guys no freaking coincidence today they're in the nba these dudes at 1 30 are saying my jumper didn't feel perfect tonight i won't sleep right until it does and they went and shot for like 30 minutes to them it was nothing like let's just shoot for like half hour and then we'll go to sleep start our day tomorrow and we'll feel good and I'm like, what planet are you from? You know, like, like I, I played ball. I wasn't you clearly, but like that would have been so far from my mindset. I'm in awe of these guys and they're not joking. They're not laughing. They, they swiped in, they shot for 30 minutes in the jam. They fell asleep and they started their day. And I just, I, it that's just one example of how incredible that season was. Another one is KJ Fagan on the bench. That same game is livid that he didn't think New Mexico was fighting as hard as they could, like after we got a lead. He's in the timeout going like, man, we came here for a fight. We came here for a dog fight. And he was mad that he didn't think they were going toe to toe with him. And I'm, I'm just sitting here in the timeout, like this, I'm, I got chills. I'm like, this is incredible. Listen to this guy. He wanted it harder. Like he wanted these guys to go bucket for bucket with him. And it was an incredible group. It's a, everybody that even barely touched that group or saw them one game knew how special that group was. And there were moments across the board. There's moments when all five, six guys, I mean, Matt Mitchell's the player of the year the next year, and Dutch couldn't start him because Jordan was starting after Matt's minor knee thing. And you're 15 and 0, you can't change it. And so Matt being the, the stud killer he is, is like, all right, like, let's roll, you know, like, and Matt was killing. Every time he came in, Matt got to work. And so it would just be possessions where it was like Mal, KJ, Matt, Jordan, Yanni, Nate. And it's like, who are they going to guard? It would come in waves. And, and so obviously Nate going down, you know, changed the year a bit. And, and Yanni, really, he shined in a different way. You know, like he got to be an inside-out threat and really showed his mobility and versatility and you know, we were different defensively. We weren't as shot blocking oriented. We were faster and quicker, but I mean, Nate's the best defender in the country. So like, it's not like we got better defensively. We changed and, but we were, we were final four good. 
I'll, I'll go to, I'll go to my grave saying it. Um, we were like, we play Iowa and Vegas and we're as big as them when Yanni and Nate are on the floor. And that's crazy. Like I was huge, you know, they have Garza. And I think we held him to like seven or nine points. Like we were, we were real. And so that's that whole season. There's so many stories to answer your question. Yep. But then my first one is just the first title is, is the year when Dutch's first year, it's the old staff. And to me, winning that one when Trey just dominated in the final was it was it was the culmination of whatever my coaching career was up until that point was like, this is why I came. This is why I wanted to be here is like and we were winning championships at Cal State Bakersfield, you know, like those those were those moments before that moment. And so but it, it just was accumulation of all of, of Irene and I not living together of working to get to my dream school and then all of a sudden we win the title my first year when we weren't supposed to we had a lot of talent but it wasn't you know quite smooth yet and we win it and I was I mean I think Tim Shelton came up running to me he goes this is why you came and I'm like yes it is so like it that was a special moment was just to kick things off that that first conference tournament and we've been trying to keep it rolling can I just say as someone I just graduated in couple last month you are inspiring for just the path that you've gone on um and the fact that you still appreciate your milestones and accomplishments every one by one of them awesome yeah um, I thank you so it. much yeah this story yeah. was incredible um by the way pretty much everyone has mentioned the 2019 2020 season as their favorite moment yeah I mean, uh, come on seiko even he said it was his favorite but he was too disappointed to really talk about it uh because he's i don't i don't know how they do i i remember yeah begging to nobody in the room saying just delay it yep. don't cancel it just delay I don't care if you delay it three months six months like let's just use that word and then we go freaking two more years of like <laughs> shutdown stuff so like obviously yeah. it was what it was but I can't imagine what they felt I know what we put into it as a staff and it's a, an ounce of what they put into it as players mentally too not just their time and I just I felt so badly for him. Every one of them is going to crush it in life. Every one of them is, is rolling on their path right now and um, they'll be all right. But, but that was a, a crushing moment, man. JD, thank you so last, much. Hold on. Last one for me, if I may. No, um, go ahead. So, I mean, tell us about this upcoming year's team. Um, yeah. Adams, Adams, Adam kind of went and said, you know, I don't really want to talk about it, but then he started to talk about this year's team with a lot of the same sort of hard workers, people being together, et cetera. And, you know, he, he said it would be a sensational year if we lost five or fewer games. He says we can have a great year in a lot of other ways, but, but that would be a great year. He kind of put that mark on it. Um, but just tell us from your perspective, what, what about this upcoming team and yeah. its potential? I've, I've gotten more comfortable with being um, – I guess, verbally optimistic about our seasons here. And, and some of that is because of the success we've had is, it, is I don't, I, I believe in it, you know? So yeah, I, I do think we're going to be good this year. I think we have a chance to be special this year. Um, it's all going to come down to chemistry. That's what made the previous couple of years special was like those dudes loved each other. And, and we do have new key pieces. We have a core, which is invaluable. They need help. You know, we think we got the help. And I mean, we, we have it, what he's saying is true. We have guys hitting our managers right now at 6 a.m. Like, can I rebound? And I mean, that's that's not I mean, I guess it is abnormal. It's not unheard of, but it's abnormal. And 
and then they're, they're, they're lifting, eating, and then they're trying to come back in at like 11 or noon. And so, um, we're definitely excited. We we've seen most of Jaden, you know, last year, just dominating in practice at times. Um, he's so physically different than just about anybody I've been around. Um, he's one of those that doesn't leave the gym. He, he wants it. He's in there all the time. We'd leave for a road trip after practice, whatever Jaden's staying in the gym while we leave and we fly out. It's like, he's still in the gym. He's not, you know, calling his buddies like, Hey, I got three days off because the team's gone until they come back. Like he's, he's in there all the time. And so, um, his motor makes him crazy with, with his physicality as he didn't ever quit running. And that's just because of how bad he wants it. So he's shaped different, but I, I think, um, Motor-wise, he could be like Jalen McDaniels was, where Jalen just touched everything. He just – he's not long like that. You know, Jalen's gifted in different ways, but <laughs> Jaden's gifted like this. So he's, he's going to throw dudes out of the way and go get it. And he's, he's – you know, he's, his verticality's out of this world. He's so athletic. Um, he'll be interesting to see where he plugs in because he's not a he's – not, he's not a five-man. He's not a four-man. He's not a wing, but he's a problem. And he's – I, I see him given given our league specifically issues, but he's the type of body that can help when you do go against the Maui field and Stanford and things like that. So Adam saying five losses as a coach is, is one of the scariest things I've ever heard because we're looking at BYU, Stanford, Maui, 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 and that's five in a row right there that are like the hardest games all season. So um, good for him on feeling that way, I guess, but I mean, we're, we need to play, and, and Dutch is already saying in the office, we need to be good early. You know, we can't we, – we do like to peak late. We, we do get better late. We need to be good early this year uh, with the way that the schedule shaped out. And, you know, I mean, we challenged ourselves. I think it's the hardest schedule in potentially the history of the program. I'm not enough of a historian to, to say that, like, confidently. But, I mean, this schedule is crazy. So, um, we need to be good early. We've got pieces from Darion and Micah and uh, Elijah and Miles and, you know, Jaden coming in. Like, you're not going to get better high school guys than those two. They're, they're spectacularly good for coming out of high school. And, I mean, life's hard as a freshman, you know, especially when you have Matt Bradley <laughs> down there and, and Nathan Mensa down there. I mean, it's they're grown men that have won hundreds of games in college. And so – it doesn't have anything to do with how good you are. You've got to catch up as fast as possible. And for high school guys, there, there are not better than those two. So awesome! it's going to be exciting. It'll be cool to see how it shapes up. I think you've excited Aztec fans quite a bit with that last statement, but then this whole podcast altogether. Um, this is it. why we do our, we, we're, we're doing content all summer for this reason. We're trying to get invaluable information like this. Um, so JD, thank you so much for being here, being a part of this podcast. Um, really, really appreciate this. This was, um, needed. Um, yeah. so any final words you want to give Aztec nation before you head out? No way, man. Just fortunate to be here. I'm just excited to be on staff here. Excited to be living my dream every day and let's go get some more rings. I like confetti chasing. <laughs> we do too. Awesome. Thank All you, right. JD. See you guys. Have a good one.